if you lead, you are going to get criticism. You're, you're going to get a lot of praise at times that's undeserved. You're going to get criticism that's undeserved. So know that it's coming. And then the question is, how are you going to respond to it? How do you unlock the full potential of your influence and create the lasting change that you are destined for? I am your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Thanks, Dave. And I am your co-host, Scott Young. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for exciting stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals from around the globe. As we are empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nation's. What a great joy to welcome all of you to the Influencers Podcast, and what a great program we have today. Just to hear the name Tony Dungy probably makes you think about football, but he is far more than just football. A best-selling author, if you've never read Quiet Strength, it's a must-read. Uncommon, the mentor leader, Uncommon Marriage. And of course, he is well-loved in Florida, where I am right now. Coming to Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1996 when we weren't doing so good and put together the defense that many would say, and I would agree, helped us to win Super Bowl 37. He went on to Indianapolis Colts and won Super Bowl 41. He is uh, not just a man of football. He's a man of charity, love. He's really dedicated to helping people. I have, a, I have a long list of things he's involved in. He's involved in All Pro Dad. He's involved in A. Brown Ministries, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, Mentors for Life, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, Taking a Breath, Basket of Hope, Impact uh, for Living, the Black Coaches Association, the Indiana Black Expo, United Way, American Diabetes Association. He is a Hall of Famer. In 2016, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And coach, it is such a joy to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. Well, thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. I look forward to having some fun and uh, discussing some uh, world uh, topics with you. Absolutely. And Probably one of the most important things, you had the good sense to marry a girl from Pittsburgh, yes, sir. Uh, Lauren, and you have 11 children. So fatherhood is very important. I, I read somewhere that um, faith and uh, family are more important to you than football. Is that a true statement? And what does that mean? Well, um, it is. My mother's favorite verse in the Bible uh, was Matthew 16, 26. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit the soul? So, so uh, faith, yeah, was very important for me from the time I was a kid. Uh, then you grow up and you learn about family. Family shapes who you are. Uh, and then you have a chance to shape someone else. But I, I was very fortunate. You mentioned Pittsburgh. I came to the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1977 in the middle of a, a four Super Bowl run. And Coach Noel, Chuck Noel was our coach. And, and he told us in the very first meeting, don't make football your whole life. You're, you're in professional football. It means you get paid to play. But please, please, please don't make it your whole life. And I had a chance to learn from him and to learn from a lot of other players that you can't focus around a sport. If you do, that is very short-term thinking. So, so you received mentorship, and mentorship is a big theme in your life. And you've also passed on uh, mentorship to others. Uh, why do you think that passing on what you've been given is so important in just our lives. 
It's just the normal thing we should do, Scott. I'll tell you, when we won the Super Bowl uh, 2006, I remember the last two or three minutes of the game, we were ahead, we knew we were going to win, and I'm just sitting there on the sideline thinking, how did I get here from Jackson, Michigan? I'm coaching the world champions, and it just it's impossible almost. And I started to think back to my dad and my uncles and my high school coaches and uh, some of the guys that were a little bit older than me in Jackson and then my college coaches and Coach Noel and all the people who had poured into my life. And you think, wow, you know, without them, I wouldn't be here. So that would be really selfish to say, you know what, I had 50, 100 people that poured into me, but I'm not going to pour into anybody else. And so I, I've really uh, taken that to heart and tried to help out and tried to be there for other people, especially younger men. Uh, I think it's so important that we pass on what we've learned. Yeah. And, and you have coached diverse talent. You've coached some huge talent. Uh, you've probably coached some huge egos, strong individuals, and as you you mentor them, just tell me, how do you take diverse individuals that are pulling in individual ways and focus them to work together as as a team and to to bring some unity to them? I think that's the great team thing about team sports. Actually, is you learn that that's what makes a championship team. As I said, I was 21 years old. I came to the Steelers. There were 10 future Hall of Famers on that team. I didn't know it wow. at the time, but I'm coming in, walking in the locker room, and there's Joe Green and Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan and just the, you know, Jack Lambert, names of guys who are were icons. But everybody was focused on winning a championship and winning a ring, and it wasn't individual performance. And so I learned that from Coach Noel, that to, to have a great team, you want high achievers. You want those alpha males and alpha females but yeah. the challenge is how do we then get 53 men to work together for one goal and that's what the leader has to do is to try to channel everybody's drive into that and uh i, I saw it work and i saw that it was awesome so from then on it was how can i do that as, as an assistant coach as a head coach as a friend just getting people to work together and say you know what your, your individual goals, that's great. We don't want you to lose them at all, but just put them underneath the team goals. And I think that's in anything. That's in a family. That's in a business and in, in a team. Uh, put, putting individual goals underneath the good of the group. Yeah, and you were part of that amazing Pittsburgh team. My, my uh, father-in-law uh, started a church in Pittsburgh. And if you were in Pittsburgh, you have to be a Steelers fan. In fact, what the church here's the church communion table. He would have black and gold carnations on the church communion table. And I think people, I think every weekend may pray for the Steelers. You, and in fact, you're one of the few guys to be a, a player with a championship Super Bowl and a head coach. In fact, yes, you're the right now. Yeah, there are only four of us. I was the third one to do it. And then Doug Peterson, uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles won it, he became number four. So it's a it's a small fraternity. And it's, it it's fun because you see it from both sides. As a player, you're just focused on yourself. How do I do my job so our, you know, I, I can contribute to the team? As a head coach, how do I put all this together? How do I keep everybody functioning together? How do I put out the fires over here? How do I motivate over here? And it, it, I, for me, it was a lot more fun doing it as a coach. 
Well, and you coach well. You're an even an even smaller uh, club, the first African American uh, head coach to win a Super Bowl, and um, I just wanted to ask you because there's a lot of tension in the nation, a lot of tension in the in the country, and I want to just get your perspective on as a person of faith, and uh, I'm a person of faith, and we have people listening to us that are people of faith. How do people of faith or how should we be working on social justice issues, uh, racial issues that are in the country? What, what perspective do you bring on to that coach? I, I think we absolutely should be. That should be paramount with us. And there are a lot of scriptures that, that go over that. You know, Micah talks about uh, love, mercy, love, justice, seek justice, yeah. walk humbly with yeah. your God. That uh, He wants us to do that. Jesus said, uh, when you help the least of one of these, my brothers you're, and sisters, you're, you're helping me. You're doing it for me. So I think God would want us to be very aware of what's going on around us and be a voice for those who don't have a voice. Uh, now, we have to do it the right way and we have to mm -hmm. do it in love and we have to do it the way Jesus would do it. But he was Jesus was a, a champion for social justice. And yeah. uh, we can't just say, well, hey, I'm doing fine. And my little group's doing fine. So that, that all, that's all that matters. Uh, I, I think God would want us as Christians to speak up for, for people who need a voice. Yeah. And you, you've, even while we've been talking, uh, the few minutes we've been together, Scripture keeps coming up. I've listened to you talk many times. I guess the Bible is important to you. And it really where is. That, where does that come from and how does that shape your worldview uh, today? It probably came from my mother the most, but I had a great background. My, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a, a Baptist minister. So we were all kind of familiar with the Bible and scripture. I had two uncles, uh, two of my dad's brothers were ministers. But my mom taught Sunday school class, mm -hmm. and um, she would practice on us on Thursday nights. And she'd say, well, what did you get out of that? And if we didn't you know, come up with the right answer, then she'd have to tweak her, her message a little bit. But I heard all those Bible stories and my mom was just great. Anytime I had a question, she would, you know, she'd think, she'd listen. And she said, well, here's what God says. Here's what the Bible says about this. And as I got a little older, you know, as a young boy and I got focused on sports, then that kind of went in the background a little bit. Uh, gosh, I've got to be a good ball player and I've got to be a good student. Yeah, I remember what my mom said. I'll be a nice person. I'll be a good person. But mm -hmm. let me tunnel vision on what I want to do. But as I got a little older and matured, I, I started to see things in life. You know, she as she told me, you know, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit yeah. his soul? Now I get to the National Football League and I see guys making yeah. millions of dollars with all the accolades you could ask for. And their life is a wreck. And I, I said, you know, man, mom was right. And then <laughs> so more and more things would happen. And I'd say, yeah, mom was right. And I realized that where she got it from was not, it wasn't her ideas, it was from the Bible. So yeah. for me, that became uh, my focal point. And I wanted to grow and learn about that. And even when I coached, uh, I, I would tell Bible stories to our team. I would use parables just like Jesus did. Um, and it, it would be amazing. I remember one time we were playing a game in Tampa, my first, second year as an assistant coach, I mean, as the head coach. And we were missing several key players. And mm -hmm. I told him about Gideon's army and how Gideon was down and he didn't have many men. And they went out and defeated the Midianites. And they got after him, even though they, they were outnumbered. And I said, that's what we're going to do tomorrow. And one of the guys shot his hand up and said, well, what happened? 
<laughs> and I, and I, it never even occurred to me that nobody wouldn't know the story. Yeah. So I finished through it. Oh, they routed them. They slaughtered them. And with 300 people and the guys were so fired up, let's go, let's go. But, uh, you know, I, I took a lot of things back to the Bible. And I, I think my players, uh, you know, they, they really responded to that. Yeah. So just in your leadership, you found truth in the scriptures that you applied even to coaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I would just think about things when when things would come up, you know, it's kind of corny to say, what would Jesus do? But for me, it was, you know, what would the Bible do? I I remember another time I was an assistant coach uh, with the Steelers. We're playing a playoff game out in Denver. And one of the TV technicians had watched Denver practice earlier and they were talking about a play that Denver was going to run a trick play. And I knew I wasn't supposed to know it yeah. that way. And I just thought, you know, well, my responsibility, gosh, I, I, I need to tell my players that, but that wasn't the right way to get the information. That, that, that's wrong. And I shouldn't do this. And I went back and forth on that. And I remember what my mother said, doing the right thing is, is the way to go. So I didn't tell my team. And sure enough, they run this trick play and gain about 80 yards. And I felt so bad, um, but I knew that I did the right thing. I, I said, my mom would be proud. The next play, we stopped and we intercepted a ball. And I was just like, that's the Lord saying, you did it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good, coach. That's so good. Yeah, now, as a leader, people criticize. Anytime someone leads, there's voices of criticism. There's voices that um, second guess. And you've, been, you've, you've had criticism as a as a. Um, I think any any coach takes criticism, but you've had this, um, and it came quiet strength when I read read quiet strength. It's a it's a characteristic that I think Jesus talks about when he says meekness. He said, "Blessed are the meek," and it's not a weakness, but you carry with you that quiet strength, which I I think is power under control. Uh, you're not known as a yeller. You're, you're more like a teacher and a mentor. So how, how, what would you say to someone today that's listening and, and they're facing opposition, criticism, and attacks? How do they keep that quiet strength? How do they use the power, the strength that you've learned somewhere? Yeah, number one, I would tell people, if you lead, you are going to get criticism. You're, you're going to get a lot of praise at times that's undeserved. You're going to get criticism that's undeserved. So know that it's coming. And then the question is, how are you going to respond to it? And one thing I learned from Coach Noel working for him, he said, take everything in and process it. If it's valid, then you can make a change. Mm -hmm. If it's not valid, ignore it, move forward and be stubborn about your principles. Stubbornness is a virtue if you're right. It's only a bad quality if you're wrong. And that, that told me a lot. And so I, I don't think I try to just disregard anything that's said about me, but I'll evaluate it. And if I know it's just, you know, just worthless criticism, don't even respond. Um, just, just kind of say, hey, this is what I do. This is who I am. I'm not going to worry about it. If it is valid criticism, what can I do to adjust and, and be better? But uh, I try not to respond to people who are just critical for no reason. Did the home you grew up in, you talked a lot about your mother. Was it a quiet home? Was it a, a, a place where people were thoughtful? And you seem very contemplative and very, 
you think about things before you before you engage your your voice you're like thinking about things yeah no that i got from my dad my dad was the scientist he was the science teacher and he was always the thoughtful one Uh, i'd come home with a problem hey they didn't put me in today coach didn't uh play me he doesn't think i'm very good and my mom would always you know give me the hug oh that's too bad you're gonna be okay and what can we do about this my dad would listen and he'd listen and he'd think and then he'd say well, what are you going to do to make it better tomorrow? That was always his answer. <laughs> what are you going to do to make it better? It's a great and question. he was just a very, very thoughtful guy. Uh, he, he really went by that, that verse in James, be quick to listen, slow yeah. to speak, and slow to anger. He was very slow to speak. One of the smartest guys I ever knew. But unless you ask him a question, he wouldn't just blurt out the answer. You know, sometimes I would sit there and say, Dad, you knew that one. Why didn't you tell them? And they, they didn't ask me, you know, but uh, I, so I think I had a perfect balance. My mom was outgoing. She was take the love of Christ, share it with everybody, be uh, as upbeat as you can. My dad, be very thoughtful. Think about what you're going to say first. And, and so I think I had a really good balance. So and you and Lauren, is that how it works in your family or? Very much so. She's really? like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like my dad. And uh, yeah. I think we're a, a good mix. Uh, wow. But but that patience and uh, thoughtfulness and, and taking things in, that, that's been good for me uh, over the years. I think it, it served me well to, to not overreact, to not, uh, not do the wrong thing out of haste. Yeah, and I, I really think that meekness is much needed in our current culture and society, that people would take that moment to, they have power, but to use it properly and to use it in a measured way that brings healing and and doesn't hurt uh, it's amazing you say that when when yeah. i was a uh, up-and-coming assistant coach that was my personality and, and people thought it was a strength boy he, he's very good and he adapts and he adjusts and his teams you know play that way when i started interviewing as a head coach people in the, in the world looked at that as a weakness and I, several owners and general managers said, gosh, you just don't seem like the head coach type to me. You just don't seem aggressive enough. And how are you going to keep guys under control and all that? And I, I didn't get several jobs because of that perception of my personality. And I would always tell them, well, just look at my guys, look at how my team plays and judge me from that. And they would say, well, that's okay. But when you're the leader, you have to be this and you have to be that. Yeah. And uh, it's hard, biblical leadership and that picture of Christ that that I love the picture of the shepherd, that he's just leading and the shepherd and the sheep are following, you know, he's not behind them like the the cattle drive with a whip and, and pushing them where they want to go. He said, I I know where to go. If you follow me, we're going to be okay. And that was always the way I wanted to do it. But some people see that as uh, not being effective. Well, we're glad you didn't get those other head coach positions <laughs> so you could come here to Tampa Bay and it all worked out. In fact, all things, here's a verse you love, all things do work together for good, those who are called according to God's purpose. And yeah. let me ask you about that verse, because I know that's an important verse to you. Um, t- today, there's a lot of tension, stress, someone's even say evil in culture and society. Where have you seen God coming into what we would say broken circumstances and situations and turning them for for good? And how do we live that out in our lives today? 
it, it took me a long time to realize that my mom always told that to me and just be patient. God's going to work it out. God's got a plan. And I couldn't always see it. But as I look back now in, in my life, the biggest disappointments in my life were the left turns or right oh, turns I needed to make to go, go on. Um, so I didn't get drafted into the NFL. I was so disappointed and little did I know God was sending me to Pittsburgh where so many yeah. good things would happen. I was a quarterback and I didn't get a chance to play quarterback and they moved me to defense. And I thought, Oh, this is horrible. Mm. And God was preparing me to be a coach. So I learned both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, I won a Super Bowl ring in, in, in Pittsburgh. The next year I got traded to the worst team in football, the San Francisco 49ers. How can I go from a Super Bowl yeah. team to a team so that only won two games? Well, there was a young coach there by the name of Bill Walsh who was putting together a Super Bowl uh, powerhouse team. So I got to see Coach Noel, how he did it at the top. Yeah. I got to see Coach Walsh develop a winning team. God was preparing me to be a coach. I didn't know it. Uh, I go to T Tampa after a 15 years of disappointments of not getting jobs. And it's the perfect place for yeah. me. Our family still lives here. Yeah. I got fired in Tampa. And, you know, you think, gosh, this, this is terrible. This is the worst thing that ha could happen. Well, 18 days later, I'm coaching the Indianapolis Colts and I've got a quarterback named Peyton Manning. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it just, God was just telling me every step along the way. I know this is a disappointment. Such a good lesson. But I'm testing your faith. I'm going to see if you're still with me or are you only with me when it's good? And are you only with me when it's going the way you want it to go? And I had to learn that. It took me a long time. Yes. And that's so good for people that are listening that right now they're in that place that says, man, that was that was a terrible yeah. thing that happened. That, that I wasn't expecting that. And just to hear you, it's really extolling the wisdom of God, that God from his perspective just sees things differently than we do on the ground you see things differently from the sideline than you do when absolutely you're on, the, absolutely. on the field and god's calling those those calls i know also uh coach fatherhood is very important to you uh 11 kids that's amazing um and a lot of guys there's a lot of guys that are listening and when they see your name they're going to like tune in just to see what what you say and a lot of the guys that are listening won't play on a uh, an NFL team. They'll never go to the Super Bowl, but they're coaching their family. They're influencing their sons and their daughters. And what would you just say to dads that are listening? And, and what's, your, what's your message to fathers? It's such an important role. Uh, I, I knew that because I had that, that great mentorship from my dad, but I kind of took it for granted. Uh, and then I, I saw the effects of people who didn't have it. And uh, when I came to Tampa, one of the first things that happened to me, I ran into a gentleman, you mentioned A. Brown Ministries. A. Brown was a tremendous, tremendous high school coach in the Tampa area. He became a pastor, and then he developed a prison ministry, mm -hmm. uh, visited every prison in Florida over the course of a year and did that for 20 years. He asked me to go with him on, on an outreach, and mm -hmm. I was a little nervous, but I went and I saw all these young 19, 20, 21 year old kids. Yeah. I saw so many just smart, sharp guys. And I remember coming back on the bus with, with Reverend Brown saying, tell me what, what's the common denominator? And he said, for guys in there, it's not socioeconomic, it's not education, it's not race, it's not money. 95% of those guys, either did not grow up with their dad or they didn't have a great relationship with their father. That, 
And and I, I saw that and I said, man, are you telling me that is how important wow. fatherhood is? And he said, it, it absolutely is. That it's, it's the key ingredient. And so I, I knew that kind of up here in my head, yeah. but seeing it and hearing him say that, it just made it all the more uh, critical for me. And that that's shortly after that, we started All Pro Dad and just trying to encourage men to be the best fathers we could be because it's so important and not only developing young men, but developing young, young women as well. I read at one point you even considered maybe leaving coaching to work in the prisons. I thought when I, when I got fired in Tampa, I said, the Lord is trying to show me something. Maybe he's taking me out of the, the, the game that I know so well, and he's got something else for me and all pro dad. We just kind of started up there. Uh, I was working with Reverend Brown and I said, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the prison ministry and the fatherhood ministry right here in Tampa. He doesn't want me to leave town, uh, but he wants me to stay involved in these ministries here and get more involved. And I was praying about that. And then I got a call from the owner of the Colts. And uh, he said, I want you to coach our team. I want you to coach it just like you did in Tampa. What, what you did, that's what I'm looking for. I want to win, but we want to connect with the community. We want to do it with the right kind of guys. We want to have role models. I mean, it was music to my ears, and I, I really felt, no, that, that's what God wants me to do. Yeah, well, and, and we're glad that you've been sensitive to that inner direction, that voice of the Spirit of God as He's led and guide you, and uh, your voice in speaking, your voice in writing. Um, you're, you're mentoring many people that you don't even know you're mentoring. Mm. I'm one of those people. I love your, I love your stuff. Uh, love your first book. That's the best one for me. I just love that quiet strength book. It, it taught me some things in my life, which I appreciate. And uh, just thanks. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, could I, could you just, just close up? Could you pray for us? Could you pray for yeah, those that are uh, leaders, whether they're leading in business yeah, or yeah. church or work or in the community and, and um, just ask God to strengthen us that we won't draw back, that we'll just continue to go. Forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Lord, we, uh, we in America, we're in need of leadership. We are. Uh, we're in need of, of leadership that can not only lead us uh, as a country, but point us to you. And mm -hmm. I, I just pray that you'll just raise up our listeners, that, that we can be bold, yeah. that we can speak for you, that we can uh, walk for you and, yeah. and be those, those men and women that you would have us to be. Be bold, but be sensitive. Be strong, but be tender. And mm -hmm. uh, to just protect our family, lead our families, guide our families. But uh, even more than that, be those pillars in the community that people yeah. can look at and say, boy, I, I would, that, that's who I want to follow. Uh, we need mm -hmm. that, Lord. We can only do that if we follow you, though. And uh, we just thank you and praise you for that opportunity, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Coach, thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks for being an incredible influencer yourself and taking time with our influencers today. We are so glad to have this time with you. All righty. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date 
hear more inspiring content and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.